These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cinema A to B, movie podcast where Ben and I like to talk about movies. My name is Alec. This is Ben. Today, we get to talk about the 2022 series House of the Dragon. So this is a Game of Thrones prequel, if you don't know. So we're talking about the full season, not just one episode or anything like that. With that, Ben, I know you have watched it sooner rather than me. So if you want to start off, what's your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, my apologies, because I I took a mid-season hiatus on this. I watched the first five episodes really quickly, fell in love with Millie Alcock as Rhaenyra. They switched her out. And I turned it off. Mm. So, and then I I finally come ba- came back around to it, finished it, got used to um, Emma, mm. Emma Darcy playing her. It took it took me a couple episodes to kind of just embrace that that Millie's you know not coming back. And I and I know that wasn't their intention. I'd read that they'd cast Emma first uh, and then Millie later. But it kind of backfired on him. I think I think they got a much better performance out of Millie than they were anticipating. And I know I'm not the only one that feels this way that was like, mm. I really don't like that that she's been replaced. Okay, I can get past the fact that they don't really look alike, but the mannerisms aren't even the same. Versus the other two with Olivia Cook, not only do they look strikingly oh, wow. similar, they seem to be on a similar page as far as mannerisms and performance it it felt like the same person emma doesn't feel like the same person it just doesn't so i i felt like that was a weakness of the show but really strong season out of the gate and before i give the floor back to you this this felt like a much stronger first season than even game of thrones had yeah i would definitely say the opening sequence of game of thrones grabbed me a whole lot more that when you're um going out into the north or beyond the wall or whatever and stuff like that and they're looking for the wildlings and things and finding those that was much more kind of pull you in when things happen when the white walkers show up here obviously it's just the quick little like this is what happened and they picked him over her and it wasn't as grabbing but obviously they're playing a lot off of you've already watched game of thrones like you're not really coming into this you know without having seen that. So um, I, I'm with you as well. I wasn't as a huge fan of the Switch. I really did see, I saw a little bit of imbalance between both of them, definitely more so with Emma. I think I tried to chalk that up in my acting brain of like, what has uh, Rhaenyra's seen um, in this, you know, intervening time? You know, obviously, you know, we, she go, uh, as Millie goes through some very awkward situations in the first couple episodes and a few episodes near the end before they do the time jump, you know, like how does that play into her where she is? Because she is definitely a lot more brutal and a lot more angry in as Emma than she was um, previously. So, tr- you know, trying to think about that as the character aspect of it. So it was definitely interesting and definitely thought provoking but i think for the average viewer it like for, for you who's not kind of trying to think that backstory kind of stuff of the intervening years because you know you're also thinking about character and the tone of the story you know it, it's not as help you know it's not as helpful it's not much more jarring um i will say that this this show is definitely slow 
for this first season. You know, it's it's still world building, even though we've already kind of have this world built because obviously it's a couple hundred years before. But they didn't grab me and they pulled a lot. It's, it basically just felt like Game of Thrones again, you know, in a lot of ways of just political intrigue, sex, and this time with dragons or with more dragons or dragons earlier on. So um, but I didn't I didn't dislike it. Like, I will say I we almost stopped probably halfway through kind of the same thing. We were just weren't feeling it. It wasn't until probably I think episode seven. We're like, OK, well, let's finish our six or seven. We were like, OK, it's picking back up again. Let's get back into it. Let's let's finish it. Um, but they didn't really change the mold. It's basically just. It's a Game of Thrones spinoff. It's Game of Thrones again, just a couple hundred years earlier. Similar situation, I think by episode seven, I was like, okay, I, I'm not, I wasn't having to power through anymore. Mm-hmm. I was back kind of re-engaged with it and felt rewarded, frankly, for that. I mean, eight, nine, 10, those are really good episodes, yeah. you know, and I did find it refreshing, light spoiler for somebody who's not watched it. There isn't the classic gigantic uh, battle sequence really that's going to close out in episodes nine or 10. That's not what they've decided to do. I kind of appreciated that. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going a little bit dirt. We're still kind of staying uh micro here yeah, and keeping things smaller. That's not to say some shocking things don't occur because they, they do in those, in those final episodes leading out to the, to the finale. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very cohesive season one and you're, you're right. It does move fairly slow but compared to some of those some of those seasons in game of thrones that really plotted the story feels like it's advancing at a reasonable pace mm-hmm. and and I'll I'll compare it obviously we did the when we did the episode on rings of power we made a few comparisons with thrones even though it's they're very different shows but they were getting compared anyway constantly yeah. and so we'll kind of flip that script here they do move things along quicker and don't seem to waste episodes the way Rings of Power did. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to get any comparisons on the shows, like I still think Rings of Power is a much better looking show than this. Yes. And I have the same complaints that I've had with seasons <laughs> of Game of Thrones with with House of the Dragon. Um, there's especially there's a whole sequence on the beach, like in the evening that you can tell was basically shot. It looked like it was shot day for night. Mm-hmm that technique where they they shoot during the day and then they punch the contrast, bring all the levels down. It's been done forever, right? It's, but the the problem is this is some of the worst looking day for night I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) And so it was, it was a muddy picture again. And I was just like, I guess I'm just going to have to deal with this for a little bit. Fortunately, most of the season didn't operate that way. And you didn't have the episode of um, in the last season of Game of Thrones where basically you couldn't see anything happening. Whatsoever. No, they like, didn't do they didn't do that as much. But I still I was like, this this is really bad day for night. Like, this is terrible. There's no contrast in the image because the whole the whole idea of cinematography is you're painting with light and you're supposed to create separation from your foreground and your main subject and your background with the light and now with color. Black and white movies did this much better because Mm -hmm. they didn't have to worry about the color. They could just expose and create that, that contrast and that separation and modern cinematography is kind of losing that. There's only a handful of cinematographers around still that seem to want to maintain distinction from being able to tell 
the main character in the image from, you know, the beach. And yep. this just failed miserably in that. But yeah. that's kind of a minor gripe of the, the sh- is it the best looking show on TV? No, no, it looks just like Game of Thrones should. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an established look. And I, and I do think that helps the first season, right? We, we all know the language of Game of Thrones. And so, yeah, they're world building, but they don't have to do nearly as much heavy mm-hmm. lifting to get, because obviously this is counting on you having seen most of Game of Thrones. I mean, the biggest thing I would say is like, they definitely have to keep the look of it. Cause if you lose the look, you lose kind of all of that. So like, I totally understood it, but we watched this literally right after we watched rings of power. And so we went from like this high fantasy, beautiful color, beautifully shot, like just, just a wealth of, of color pretty much everywhere to just so muted. And like, I could just tell that like part of me was just bored, like not so much with like what was going on, but just, bored with the shot selection and bored with how it looked. And just like, again, it's just more of the same of this, again, this gritty, maybe more possibly more realistic, you know, world, you know, fantasy world um, where it's everything's muted colors or browns and grays and, you know, some reds and other colors for those who are rich, but going from rings of power where everything's just gorgeous and everything's beautiful that this kind of was like, okay, another episode of just muted. Yeah. The only areas that you get, full color saturation in game of thrones or in this case house of the dragon is blood mm-hmm. and fire which makes sense because that's what that's what this especially house of the dragon is is blood and fire. fire yep but the rest of it is you're right it's really muted so it looks the way it looks right that's that's fine yeah now as far as the performances you get hot damn legit so yeah yeah i mean and Frankly, the cast is so big that we can't possibly do everybody no. like a breakdown on performance from everybody. But I want to ask you, like, give me your like, say, top three. Oh, so first off, I would say uh, Viserys, the um, uh, that Patty. Yeah, Patty. So like I, I did not like his character like he but he played him so well where like I still felt empathy for him or sympathy um, for, for the character, even though I was like, I just wish you would die. Like, just get, get out of the picture. Cause <laughs> well, like, so, you did were, he, so did he, he wished you would <laughs> die too. <laughs> like, just get out of the picture because like you're waffling so much. And so like, as a character, I didn't like him, but he played it so well to kind of pull those, those, those strings. Like on one hand, I want you to die. But the other hand, no, like I want you to make the right choices and you kind of are getting there. So I'm rooting for you. But like, he was definitely my favorite. I think really close was Matt Smith as uh, Damon. Because, like, th- when the guy entered the room, like, he he owned his character. He knew what he was doing. And I've seen him in other things, and that's not him. It's not like he's just, that's who Matt Smith is. Like, he right. walked in, owned the character. And the only reason I kind of point out Viserys first was because, you know, I mean, like, everyone's kind of talking about Matt Smith in, in this regard and stuff like that. But, like, I was more of... Matt Smith is kind of also who that you kind of gravitate towards, even though he's like that typical like bad boy, but also you kind of behind him where Viserys is just the he's the incompetent leader that we all know is worthless and needs to go. Um, But yet he still drew me in. So that's kind of but like, yeah, I mean, those two. And then I got to say Eve Best is uh, uh, Mm Rainus or whoever. Like at first I was kind of like, 
didn't really care about them. But then she started acting and I was just like blown away. Yeah. By how I mean, how she presented herself and commanding and like a couple of a couple of the scenes where she was very like biting and like just was laying out on the line. I was like, holy cow, like especially between her and her husband, those those scenes. I mean, he's really good, too. There wasn't actually a performance in here that I was thought was terrible. Like I didn't like there was never anyone that was like, oh, that was really, really difficult. Um, I mean, even uh, what Riz fan, uh, he was. I hated him. Absolutely. I hated him. Oh, he's tremendous though. It's so funny to go back and realize, okay. Oh yeah. That's the, that's the kicker from the replacements. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he's such a talent, such a yeah. talent, but this thing's loaded. Yeah. I mean, absolutely utterly loaded from both people we've, we've seen before in kind of lesser roles, obviously going in Matt Smith is, is probably the best known mm-hmm. for the average, I think for the average viewer. And I think I read something that even the writers are kind of frustrated that the fans have like gravitated so much to, <laughs> to Damon because <laughs> they're like, they're like, that's not what our intention was. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to like him this much. It's like, well, I'm sorry. I do because there's so many characters in this that are so disingenuous, right. Mm-hmm. With the, with hiding their true intentions and Damon just walks around and is like, no, I don't, I don't care. This is just, this is who I am. And he seems to see things so much earlier than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like he sees through people so fast. Mm-hmm. Like he reads you, he, he'll read the room in five seconds and be like, you have decent intentions. You're horrible, you know? And then he yeah. knows who to go after. Just like Game of Thrones, there's not many redeemable characters in this at all. He shouldn't feel like one, but he kind of does because of his honesty. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even from the first episode onward, where the first time we see him, he's sitting on the throne, you know, and Reneus walks in or Renera um, walks in and he's on the throne and he and they're like, I heard my brother was, you know, putting games in my honor or whatever. She's like, no, that's for his, un, you know, for his heir. And he goes, yeah, me. <laughs> and then he's like, no, <laughs> yeah. for his unborn son heir. And he's like, yeah. we'll see. I mean, like he doesn't like doesn't mess around. And I think it's that kind of. He he is the exact opposite of Viserys, where Viserys is very kind of can't make decisions, can't shoot, like really pick something and waffles a lot where he's just like, nope, doing this, going here. And so he's that man of action. It's kind of like that gravitation towards like Darth Vader. Like I'm sure George Lucas did not make Darth Vader for this whole group of people to have Darth Vader as their favorite character, but it did. You know why? Because Darth Vader also had that. He went after what he wanted, that kind of man of action, that kind of just doesn't care what people think. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. This is who I am. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, get and, with, and, uh, you get it with uh, Liam Neeson and Taken, just that kind of different mm-hmm. where he doesn't talk to anybody. He just acts, you know, and you kind of gravitate towards that because we don't we really can't do that in real life. A lot of times we do have to make those conversations or the decisions. So I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, I remain incredibly impressed with how well Matt Smith can act without uttering a single line of dialogue. Yes. It's something else to watch, to behold his ability to command a room in in that character without saying anything you could tell as they went, I don't think they shot completely chronologically, but Mm. it kind of felt like some stuff was because as they went, there were, there were more and more scenes that were not dialogue driven where they, they spoke to the viewer what exactly was going on without any utterances of, of a piece of dialogue. In fact, there's a, there's the big moment. I'm not going to spoil it. The big moment yeah. at the end of 
the finale and nobody says anything and he's conveyed to the other character exactly what's went down mm-hmm. and that's good direction. Yeah. It's good writing too. show me. Don't, don't tell me. So yeah, the, the cast is just, it kind of floored me by the end, how loaded it is. And this is definitely where this shines over like rings of power. Or some of the other stuff of just like the, ensemble cast that they have of how well because I, I cannot say that about rings of power there are a couple of actors in rings of power that i was like oh yeah. like this there's some painful. weak there's some absolute yeah. weak links mm-hmm. several and i'd have a harder time pulling those out of house of the dragon yeah. finding like yeah. a real weak link even the even the kids they cast um are really really good who's uh, the uh, allison's uh, second son is it Eamon? The, Eamon, the, Eamon. Yeah, yeah, Eamon. Um, like, he's fantastic. Like, and he kind of plays that, the Damon character, but as like a, like, you know, kind of that second son kind of a situation. So his name is, is Ewan Mitchell. Yeah, he was like, he, especially, he, he was fantastic, I thought, too. And he's like, like, yeah, he's 27. So yeah, and, he, and he's playing more closer to like 17. So yeah, he, uh, he has a very punchable face. <laughs> he does but he also kind of has but I that i kind of love it i love that he has a punchable face because the character yeah. is just despicable but he also has that kind of doesn't care says what he wants you know kind of situation he doesn't have he doesn't have the true confidence or the true kind of feeling of of matt smith damon but it's like he's trying to mimic him like he's like i want to be like that and so you so he plays it really well i don't know if that's what he's going for but that's what i got out of it was like i want to be like my uncle damon who just doesn't care about anything and just says what he wants and that's what i'm going to do so they are there there are mirror images of each other i mean it's the typical first son is just i'm going to be the heir so i don't have to work hard i'm just going to sit drink sleep around and the second son's actually got to make a living in the world. So, yeah. So, and that's what this show's about yep. is utter dysfunction of family. Mm-hmm. Very utter dysfunction of family. It's those relationships and miscommunication is like a huge theme in this show too. Mm-hmm. Most of the problems in, that arise in this show would be eliminated with like the smartphone. <laughs> Like, <laughs> give me like, a quick call. Uh, yeah, like here's a text. Well, here's a text. Here's a phone call. Even a fax machine would uh <laughs> would fix. Because yeah, they're sending you know they're sending these ravens off with these messages, and then maybe somebody doesn't make it to deliver the message, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just there's there's so much of that dynamic in the show that's that's really cool. That frankly is what kind of ancient history is full of. I mean. You have wars started over Less. basically yeah. miscommunication. So mm. it's a it's a cool dynamic. I yeah. I appreciate it for that. And I'm ex- I'm excited to see where it's where it's all kind of headed. I think we kind well, of we kind of know. Well, I'm also really excited because I know uh Martin has finished this series, this these books that are in the time period before Game of Thrones. So like which confuses me that we haven't finished his first series, but yet kind of these are done or we know, you know, it's where this guy's passion. It's wherever his passion gets directed is what he decides to finish up. And he just doesn't have the fire in his belly to finish the book of Game of Thrones. Like he he just doesn't. He's just like I gave the notes. I gave my show notes to HBO more or less similar things occur 
I just, mm. he just clearly doesn't have, at first I thought he was just lazy, right? Or, or procrastinating, mm-hmm. but no, cause he's writing all this other material. Mm-hmm. And it's, so then I realized George isn't lazy. He just, his passions yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm cool with that now. I'm like, well, you know, I, I hope he does eventually finish the, that narrative in book form, but I wouldn't count on it. And it's going to be vastly different. Yeah, it has to be. And, yeah, it has yeah, to be. Because we, everybody hates how season eight ended. Now, I think had well, a little tangent, but I feel like had it gone via like the book, like we had the book first, like he could have made that change and those things happen better. And so he would have been a lot more okay with it. I think it just felt way too rushed and just kind of juxtaposed of just like this, this is not real. Um, and they just did it badly with Game of Thrones. Anyways, so I'm excited that we have all the books and so we can kind of pull from them and we have it's a gonna, set story. It's, it's going to feel be way more cohesive. The, yeah. the writers are not going to be in a bind to try to tie this thing up because the source material is intact. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the, that's the issue with Game of Thrones is they were, yeah, yeah they had the author phone call away. They didn't really have the source material. No. And you could tell when the shift occurred where they, mm-hmm. They just started to have to write episodes based on very loose notes. And that's when the show started to go off the rails. So yeah, this shouldn't have that same problem. And, and frankly, this, this show isn't going to run nearly as long as game of Thrones did either. So, which I'm cool with, because then we get something else. I mean, he's working on some other thing with about basically the life of a, a knight mm-hmm. in this, uh, in this world. That's so going to be cool. Yeah. 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 That gets even more, uh, micro. So, which is, which is nice. Like, like kind of like we talked a little bit with back with Andor's like, like let's take these worlds and let's like nothing doesn't always have to be this huge country or worldwide spanning galaxy spanning event. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's get into smaller stories that can still grip me and can have some of those overtones that we can talk about our own world and stuff like that or, or whatever. But like, it doesn't need to be huge. It can be small and still be gripping. Like, so I think. Which is kind of counterintuitive, right? Yeah. You, you would think that, oh, to please the viewer, the next thing just needs to be bigger, badder, better. Right. And that is the mentality that most of the time TV show and movies fall into is we've got to make it bigger. The battles have got to be bigger. You know, we've got to have more characters. We've got to go to more planets. We got to, it's kind of counter counterintuitive, but the reality is if you go small, if you've done the world kind of big to begin with, if you go smaller, the viewer will kind of reward you because, mm-hmm. because it's, it feels fresh. And then we get to do more character exploration. And you could have those smaller stories or those links to art, like what really happened in history here or things like we talked about again in Andor with, you know, you could drop it in any authoritarian world and kind of would fit. You can tell those kind of stories without having to figure out like, why aren't the main characters doing this? Or like, what, like it's kind of like the Marvel stuff, like each, like, each movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's like, why aren't the Avengers showing up? Why aren't, you know, X, Y, and Z showing up when, like, this is a world-ending event, but only, you know, so-and-so is showing up? Like, like you would think, like, it's not like it takes seconds, you know, it doesn't, you know, it takes millions of hours to get there. I mean, these people go into space, like, they could be around the planet in, like, you know, a couple minutes by, and be like, oh, well, I'm here to help. Yeah. Anyways, so, sorry, diatribe of frustrations with how grandiose MCU films have been. And I mean, you can see it like you can see, like if you keep going bigger, 
you don't get as rewarded. I mean, like I can tell you this entire since you know, uh, Endgame, I haven't seen an MCU film in the theater. I basically just wait till it comes to Disney Plus or on Blu-ray because I'm like, it doesn't draw me like like how it was. Yeah, and but we, that's and that's a truly exhausted uh, franchise, for the lack of a better word. Yeah, you know they they squeeze that lemon has been squeezed. They'd like to make us think that there's something left, but there's not. Fortunately for Game of Thrones, that's not really the case, right? I mean, yeah. you, had, you had eight seasons of the initial story and book, and then now you've got this prequel that's doing very well, mm-hmm. and the fan base is is energized and reinvigorated. And you're going to get a, a couple other more, you know, smaller spinoffs and such. And then you've got the, you kind of got the Jon Snow thing at the the end as well. I think they've got, I don't know how many more years, maybe five to seven year window where yeah. we're going to, before it's kind of going to feel exhausted. Mm-hmm. I definitely think they're in a better position as a franchise as far as the streaming stuff than, than Lord of the Rings. Mm. Especially with the fact that New Line's already talking about doing new movies which i just i'm like uh i don't know what that looks like i is this a companion piece like what what trick do you have up your sleeve and how are you gonna make it better than what we already have that's what frustrates me right is these these properties that are they have one good thing and then the studios get a hold of it and just basically ruin it by overextending it overextending the property past what it has as far as story Cause they're too, it's a, it's a safe bet, right? Oh, we can put a, we can put half effort in and people still turn out because it's got the name on it. But, it, but, but historically it backfires every single time. I mean, talk about how like going up until like season seven of game of Thrones, it was the greatest show like mm-hmm. ever. Right. And then it just slowly, they went too long. I mean, and uh, the office did it. Friends did it where they're just one too many seasons. I mean, the matrix, the, the original, the matrix, was an amazing film and if we didn't have the other three we would still be talking about how revolutionary and how amazing it was but they made the other three and that you know kind of soured us on the first one because yeah it was great but you know 75 percent of the matrix series is eh, at best and i you know that's kind of that feeling of well yeah you can keep doing this but you're going to lose kind of the zeitgeist of that people talking about it because no one's going to care anymore. You're no longer going to be on the tips of everyone's tongue. And it happened with game of Thrones. Like the moment game of Thrones, you know, season eight ended, we all for a week talked about how bad it was. And then no one brought up game of Thrones again until like house of dragon, you know, outside of to make fun of it. Like we didn't yeah. like all yeah. the stuff they did right in the previous seasons washed away. Like it was no longer. That's the what show. happens. I mean, it's important how you end things. Yeah. I mean, how you, how you end a movie or how you end a, a show, but yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> the list is much longer of shows, good okay. shows with bad finales or bad final seasons. than there are great shows that close it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, breaking bad, the finale is not like earth shattering, but it's, it's still heralded because they knew when to turn it off. Yep. And it's gotta be in the hands of the kind of a sole creator to know when, when to pull the plug. Because mm-hmm. HBO is like a, it's a big joint thing, right? There's not just one person deciding, well, this is probably enough. And we're going to go ahead and, but yeah, House of the Dragon, I think has a more defined, like, this is how many seasons we're getting. I think it might only be like three. Yeah. I don't uh, know. I don't have a, four. I don't have the yeah. three or four. It's, it's not going to go past 
I don't think it'll go past like a fourth season. So that's reassuring because that tells me they have a defined story. It's going to go out yeah. with a bang before it declines and then it will be rewatched. And because I haven't gone back and rewatched Game of Thrones. Mm-mm. I mean, I kind of would like to, to a, to a certain point, then I'll probably stop, right? I wouldn't rewatch Game of Thrones through its entirety. I'd probably go through season six or maybe part of seven and then turn it off. Yeah. And it peaked more for me, probably closer to season four. I've also not like, I've not gone back and rewatched Game of Thrones and I never did, but yet there's other shows that, that I have. And I think it, you're right. If it doesn't kind of go off the rails, it has, tells that story and can, you know, end really well. And I think it makes me want to go back and watch it because it feels much more complete. It feels much more like I'm going to be rewarded by watching these um, as opposed, but so many people don't you know, miss it. They just, they're looking for the money as I'm excited to bring up another show, but I'm excited why Ted Lasso is only going to be three seasons. You know, like they had this idea of this is the, the series it's three seasons long. I'm excited to see how they end it. Like if it ends well, it's going to be fantastic. Well, it's very British of them to end after three. Yes. That's yes. like, that's historically a that's British television has got that figured out here in the States. We just have the habit of overextending things much further than they probably should have been narratively. Yeah. And that the British have always traditionally been able to, to do that. I didn't realize that until I took a class on British comedy Yeah, and the professor who used to work for BBC was like, yeah, you're going to find most of these shows were done after like season two or three. We were like, mm-hmm. really? He's like, yeah, it's just, it ran its course on to something else. It's like, that, that's great. <laughs> why why can we do get, that? Get, get more stories out. So, yeah. All right. Well, final thoughts on the show. Final thoughts on house of the dragon. Well, I am fully on board. Emma Darcy now as Rhaenyra. Mm. I'm good. I'm good with it. I do want to see that Millie and some other stuff. Cause I think she's mm-hmm. a, I think she's a talent. So yeah, I'm, I'm on board with, uh, with staying with the show. I'm excited where it's going. I think it's going to be a lot of fire and blood <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here for it. And yeah, the cast is utterly loaded just cause it felt like there's more characters. I think it might have and or beat just on the cast front as far as the number, the sheer number of great actors in it, Andor's acting is tremendous top to bottom, but this thing, this ensemble is just um, second to none as far as anything that came out last year, as far as the streaming stuff. So yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't seen it, obviously we encourage you to watch it again, though, this is not a, this is not a movie or streaming series review or like we give it a rating. We'll never do that. But yeah, check it out. Um, Hopefully we didn't, I don't spoil too much. I didn't I don't spoil really too did. much. No, we try, we're trying not to do that with some of this stuff. It depends on how easy it is to speak to this, right? Whether mm-hmm. we're going to have to, we don't like to spoil things. If no. people are asking, we did, that's not a goal. So yeah. So, yeah. Check out house of the dragon. And if you're, if you're a fan of, of it, you've already seen it, you know, yeah. Shoot us a comment. What are you looking forward yeah. to in season two? You know yeah. what? You know, and I, and we, I've not read the book or books. Yeah, I'm coming into it pretty fresh. I've got some inklings of where things are going, but <laughs> I think that's, I think they anyway. had to telegraph some of this. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if they're able to keep it to three, maybe four seasons, come tell a complete story. 
we're going to be looking at House of Dragon as the better show and hold it in higher regard than Game of Thrones going forward. So, and not because it does anything different. I think it's just because it can be a more complete show and can be a more steady show. And if it can do that, if it can, you know, succeed where Game of Thrones didn't, then that's going to be the high mark for this series, for this world. So, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Another good show from last year. We got, we got several, several good ones. And uh, we're just, love talking about this stuff and yep. we hope you are having the same kind of conversations with your your family and friends because it's not quite as fun as watching <laughs> but, but, ta- but talking about it's pretty fun I mean that's that's kind of that's why we do this yep and anyway, why we've been doing it for so long and we appreciate you thanks everybody 